Hello and welcome to another episode of the First Incision, a CMF podcast with me, Dr. James Howitt, the podcast where we look at topics that affect the interface of faith and medicine that affect our Christian lives in today's world. I'm here with Mark, who's a retired GP from Yorkshire. Mark, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Uh, can you tell us to begin with, um, I mean, if, we're, if, if God hears all of our prayers, then what is it that you define as ineffective prayer? Well, isn't that a wonderful thing that God does hear all of our prayers? And um, there's a, a, a quote I like that if you only shouted, help God once in your life, that's still effective prayer. And uh, I think to answer that question, uh, thinking ineffective, um, we have to ask ourselves, what is prayer? And in our two seminars, we had a lovely discussion about that. And what I found so encouraging was that everybody came up with very similar answers that effective or, or prayer itself is communication, it's fellowship, it's um, listening. And I, I challenge people to come up with a, a, a one-word description. And uh, the best one of all that I know is relationship. Okay. We are entering into a relationship with God, which needs, uh, which is very intimate. And so if you are not building that relationship, then that is ineffective prayer. Just not doing it. Okay. So how much time should we be looking to devote to prayer life day to day, do you think? Is there a right answer to that question? Well, it's like how much time do you spend with your lover or your wife or your husband uh, or, or your best friend? Um, I like to think we, in the kingdom of God, we are in a no rules environment. And uh, having said that, it is great to have a routine and uh, I, I just love to come down in the morning, having had a cup of tea, shower, wake up, and to have 20 minutes or th 30 minutes or perhaps however long God leads in time spent with him. Then, yeah, people do feel there is this sense, um, Philip Yancey points this out in his book on prayer, that every Christian thinks prayer is something you should do. And almost every Christian thinks they don't do enough of it. Yeah. But my, my claim and, and discovery is that those who really enter into more effective prayer along some of the, the lines we'll, we'll mention, that sense of never doing enough fades and fades. I wouldn't say we're always going to we'll be all free of it, but because we're, we're living in relationship, not a rules-bound life, we don't have to do it five times a day. We don't have to do it three times a day. We do it when we are led by our by our Lord and King. Mm. And I suppose presumably as well, there's an element of, of of different amounts of prayer being a seasonal thing to some degree. Would you agree? So certain areas of, of life might be more appropriate to spend more time in prayer versus other kind of seasons and areas of life. Yes, absolutely. I mean, sometimes one just gets so tired and and so overwhelmed with life that um, there is a time when you almost have to sit back and just absorb. Um, keep that relationship with God, yes, but hang back a bit, have a holiday if you like from from really sort of hard work of prayer, and some prayer is hard work let 's yeah, be honest absolutely i mean that that brings us nicely on to to talking about what kind of things uh, particularly for us as medics, can get in the way of us having a, a kind of healthy and effective prayer life well yes that 's such a good question isn 't it and um, i 've known times where I've sort of worked uh, 40, 
48 to 60 hours with almost no sleep. And one of the things that struck me in those times, this was both um, in the UK uh, as a houseman in London and, and then as a re- relatively junior doctor uh, working abroad in, in, under great pressure, is that if we can keep up that relationship with God and put into practice the few tips which I'm going to mention in a moment, mm-hmm. then we find God is there with us in the busyness. And uh, it is my testimony uh, that in extreme busyness, God's presence seems to come e- even, even closer. Sometimes you get, uh, you're brought up short. I, I can remember um, working in the Nazareth Hospital in Israel, and uh, it was a hot and long outpatient, and I was struggling with the the language, and they were jabbering away in Arabic. And I really didn't want to look up for my desk. Uh, the next patient was standing there, and uh, I could see him out of the corner of my eye, but I just kept on writing the notes, just wanting to be anywhere but there. Mm. And my prayer life wasn't happening at all. And I looked at his boots, and uh, <clears throat> they were black leather workman's boots with some sawdust on them. And then I saw a drop of blood fall to the ground because he had a a wounded hand from an injury at work. And I went back to my work and ignored him for another minute or two. And then I had the shock of my life because I put sawdust and carpenter together. And I realized this is Nazareth. This could be Jesus Christ himself standing there patiently waiting for his lordship to look up. And uh, it hit me like a bolt from the blue, and I shot to my feet and attended to that man straight away. And I think God has a way of breaking into our lives. And that's the lovely thing about genuine relationship with God, is that we are always the responder. God is the initiator. We may go, oh, we'll go to a prayer meeting tonight and we'll do some good praying. But God has initiated that. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about a framework that you're going to share with us. How is it that we can 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 work through to become more effective prayers in our daily lives? Mm. Well, I think having established that we are we are. If you read the Song of Songs, this beautiful love song in, in the middle of the um, the Bible, uh, the lover says to his beloved, "Oh, your hair is like a, a flock of goats coming down Mount Gilead." And there's this, this sense of being um, wooed and, and drawn in. And I think when, you, when we understand that those are the springs of prayer, as I just said, we are responders. That helps us to then understand that um, this is an exciting adventure. Every encounter with God is a bit of a mystery. And everything that um, we do in response is usually a response to God breaking through in his love. John Calvin, the, uh, the great reformist, he said, we have to have a sense of the awe of God, and um, we have to come to God with respect, affection and respect. So that's the first sort of tool I would put in my toolbox. I like to think of a few everyday tools, almost as if I was doing, what do I do when I pick up my toolbox at, at home to mend, mend a broken door? We, we need a few things that we're very familiar with. Now, I, I call them a toolbox, but of course, really, these are all gifts from above. Mm. I'm not being, uh, I don't want to dishonor what 
the things that God has given. But he is God and we are just people, so we have to come to him with a sense of awe and wonder. The next thing uh, I keep in my toolbox really goes back to uh, the day I was converted as a medical student in London uh, 40 or 41 years ago. And uh, I had challenged the, the preacher quite sarcastically, really. You couldn't guarantee that I could enter into the presence of God and meet God tonight, could you? And he said, oh, yes, I could, Mark. Oh, yes, I could. So I challenged him and I said, go on then. He said, right, well, come along and listen to my talk and uh, I'll tell you the way. So he got me very excited and uh, I, I, I went to the place where he was speaking and uh, he talked about the problems that we all have in our lives. And he said, there is a solution. And he pointed to the cross of Christ and how Christ died on the cross in order to open the door to the presence of God. And by the grace of God, I made that choice to put my whole life into God's hands and let him guide and guard my life for the, for the future. And what I found was that when I had done that over the next few days and weeks, as I was sort of trudging home from studies uh, on a winter's night, I would actually want to go into the prayer meeting. So having come into the presence of God through the cross of Christ, I had a, a, a very uncharacteristic want to go praying with people who I would have a week or two before thought extremely boring. So at home, um, I have a little wooden sword, uh, which I made for my son when uh, he was a small boy. And I still keep that hanging up in my DIY area by my toolbox. And I've turned it the other way up because it forms a wooden cross. And I like to do every day what that preacher taught me 41 years ago, is to come to the cross. And it's my testimony that if you come to the cross, you will and honestly say sorry for the things that you've done wrong. You will enter into the presence of God. It doesn't have to be great uh, <clears throat> feelings uh, uh, or supernatural events. It just becomes more and more of a fact as you grow and cultivate this relationship. And that uh, leads me on to the next sort of item in the toolbox. We've got uh, awe and respect. We've got the cross of Christ, which unlocks the door to get into God's presence. But then we have our natural weaknesses. And um, another thing I like to do every day, if, if I remember, is to ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said plainly in, in the book of Luke when he was about to uh, ascend to heaven after the resurrection. <clears throat> so he was resurrected, but he hadn't ascended. Mm -hmm. And he said to all his followers, wait in the city till you're clothed with power. Luke 24. And then uh, the day of Pentecost came and they were clothed with power and they had amazing abilities which they didn't have before. And then if you read through the book of Acts, they were filled again and they were filled again and they would pray and be filled again and they would usually go out and do some wonderful work of speaking. So having the Holy Spirit and being refilled with the Holy Spirit is a key ingredient in my daily toolbox. And it's another of those factors that 
it's the spirit who makes that relationship with God real. The spirit makes the relationship real. Maybe we relate more to Jesus or more to the Father or more to the Spirit himself. But I'll talk about that in a moment. Mm. So, so far in the toolbox, we've had affection, come to God with affection and respect, uh, come to the cross, which unlocks the door to relationship with the Lord, uh, and ask for the power or refilling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm. Is that right? Mm. Great. What other tools have you got for the, in the toolbox for us? Well, we, we worship a, a Trinitarian God who is always three people we're not going to try and explain that at the moment because i can't but he is three people he's the father the son and the holy spirit and this has really come to me in only this year 2019 how the uh, early church fathers they understood the psychology of them of the human being far better um, than the psychologists uh, of the 20th century who discovered modern psychology And in their meditating on the nature of God, they realized that you can have a sort of um, spiritual IQ. And it doesn't just come from a mental understanding. But the beauty of the Trinity is that it satisfies all those needs in the human heart. So if we look at Jesus, say, he's the classic way that uh, evangelicals come to God. And we've seen how Jesus is the gateway to God through the cross uh, in that he took away our sins, which were a barrier between us and God. But Jesus, of course, came and did a lot of explaining. He took the, the Hebrew Bible, the, the Jewish Bible of his day, and he spent 30, 35 years on earth explaining that in a way that our, our minds can understand, which is perhaps why... Um, sort of more intellectual people love Jesus and his, his wonderful explanations which really come to life when you are in, in the, inside the kingdom of God. But Jesus deals very much with our, our, our thinking and he, from his teaching. But it's the Holy Spirit speaks to a, another intelligence which is our emotional intelligence, mm-hmm. if you like, it's more down in your guts. Every human has this. We want to fall in love, you know. We want to deal with our anger. We want to understand the wellsprings of, of our, our feelings. And the Spirit of God can reach into those. And then there's the God the Father. And how does he uh, affect our prayer lives? Well, the wonderful thing that the early church fathers understood in the, in the third and fourth centuries after Christ was that God is indeed our father and everyone on earth has this father need in their heart. You see this particularly in the story of that's come to be known as the prodigal son where a young man takes the family money and goes off and lives it up in a far country And then he comes home because he's in desperate need. He's having to feed the pigs on someone else's farm. And he comes back thinking, I'll just be a hired servant. But his dad welcomes him with open arms. I mean, probably the guy's got an STI and and an unwanted pregnancy left behind in the far country. But his dad welcomes him with open arms. That story is probably the most famous story or the most popular story in the world. Yeah. Because it's the story of everyone 
It's all our story that we all want to be welcomed back to our homeland. Obviously, if people have had very abusive fathers and so on and so on, it's, it's much harder to understand that God is a loving Heavenly Father. But I found this weekend on the conference that God's wanting to encourage people how, how loving he is. And it's in that Father heart of God that welcomes us that you find your, rest, your final resting place. Once we're back with the Father, there's nowhere else to go. We don't need, we may wander off again, but we never really want to or need to wander off again. There's another important tool in the toolbox. Jesus himself is described, he's no longer, of course, now the, 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 the crucified saviour. He's the, he's the risen Lord of heaven and earth. And he is seen in, in the book of Revelation where um, he is seen as one out of whose mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword. And the, the, the words from the mouth of Jesus are, are so much of what have come to be shaped into what we call the Bible. So every day uh, when I sit down and have time with God, I do want something of the Bible not far away, either on my phone or in paper or already memorized in my head. And we have to read the Bible not as, a, as a, just a book of comfort to get us through the day, a, a crutch or, or, or a prop. We have to read the hard bits because being a two-edged sword, it's able, able to go down into our hearts and, and make that discerning diagnosis between the, the joints, the spirit, the soul, the thinking, the, the very um, place where decisions are made in the human heart. The Bible is is both uh, uh, it's a, an adjudicator and a judge. It is a comfort, yes. It is a is a source of direction, and it's on meditating on the Bible and having it in our hearts that we can go out into a busy day, and and know that God is still working in our hearts to make us better people. But the Bible and the Spirit work together in a wonderful way that promotes excellent prayer and effective prayer. Because uh, what the Spirit does is apply the Word of God to you at that particular moment, in that particular situation. Just at Easter time, I, I was having a time of quiet with God. And um, the verse from Revelation chapter 2 came to me. Uh, like, like a surprise, like a, a, a bolt from the blue, where it says, look, I've set before you an open door and no one can close it. And I knew instantly that that was God speaking to me about a particular situation, a project I'm working on, and the doors are going to open and the project will go forward. It's lovely when you, you have that affirmation. So I think uh, that's another of the tools we have to have at hand as everyday use is the Bible. The thing about the Bible is it's a precision instrument. I, I, I like to think of it as a tape measure I've got here. And uh, it's measured in millimeters. And if you're uh, uh, doing some DIY at home, there are times when you have to cut to that exact millimeter. I remember a, a famous uh, surgeon working in the Middle East who uh, was also a carpenter and actually also worked uh, in Nazareth. And uh, we, we had a new hospital carpenter. And he said the trouble with that young man is that he doesn't cut with precision. And you have to cut in surgery or in carpentry 
to the nearest millimeter. And the Bible works like that. Uh, it's a sharp two-edged sword that comes out of the mouth of Christ and it's able to cut with precision. And if we have surrendered our, our lives under the Lordship of God and using the Bible as an authority, then we will find it has a wonderful effect to correct the imperfections in our life, strengthen what is good, and help us to know we are on course. Now in private prayer, that's really important when it comes to hearing the voice of God. Hearing the voice of God is a, is a wonderful, wonderful, lifelong um, challenge, shall we say. God wants to speak. He speaks through the Bible, he speaks in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, he speaks through other people. But to discern whether it is genuinely God speaking, we should always come to the Bible as our measure. It's a precision instrument. Jesus said not one dot on the I or a cross of the T will be removed from the Bible. And he totally lived by it himself. We have to do the same. And if we surrender our, ourselves to the authority of the Bible every time we come to God in our quiet times, then we shall find our prayers more effective, our relationship with God more effective. There's another important bit about hearing and, and the voice of God. We know we've got two ears and one mouth, and that's why the headphones on your, you know, that you plug in, uh, there's two of them because we should do more listening and, uh, and uh, less speaking. Less speaking. Yep. So I, I've got here a, a pair of um, big orange ear defenders. After this is the first time we've had props on the podcast. I like it, it's good. <laughs> and um, when I've got my power tools on, I, uh, I need these ear defenders on so I can hardly hear myself speaking now. Now, they are not to speak to me they are to blank out all other sound. And in really getting to hear the voice of God in our personal and private prayers, or maybe listening to a sermon, or maybe listening to this podcast now, you have to, I have to, blank out all the other noises. Sometimes that's literally the other noises, like we've tried to blank out in this recording studio. Sometimes it's those inner thoughts which are racing round or that fear that's built up around a relationship or that big decision which house do we buy we have to develop the <clears throat> discipline to put those on one side that can take a few minutes sometimes you have to have a notebook by your hand and jot those things down and say now I'm going to push that to one side so that I can really listen to what God is saying and the same comes when we're reading the Bible. We don't read it just for a little book of comfort. We don't read it because it's going to give us a sort of uh, um, lucky, lucky dip direction in, in, in all our lives. We read it to come under the authority of God and to renew our, our relationship with God. Because when the relationship is right, then so much else will follow on. We'll, we'll be much more aware of what house to buy will be much more understanding of how to get help with that difficult relationship. So we've covered the, uh, the need to defend your ears against sound. We need to have precision obedience to the word of God. And uh, I've also got here um, a small alarm clock. And that's just to remind me that 
Yes, there's no rules in the kingdom of God, but there is routine. And setting your alarm clock 15 minutes earlier than you would like to and getting up and having those 15 minutes with the Lord, or it might be a lot longer in some cases, is transformational. Amazing. Mark, thank you so much for those. There's some fantastic tools that, that we can all go away with and, and hopefully will really enrich our, our prayer lives day to day and, and our relationship with the Lord. If, if there's someone listening and they're thinking, this is all really good stuff, I've really enjoyed this, whereabouts can I go to, to find more resources? Is, is there anywhere particularly you can direct us? Well, there's always superb books coming out on prayer. Um, one that I'm enjoying at the moment, uh, it's being reprinted. It's called Toward God by Michael Casey. And uh, he's read his church fathers and he'll take you deeper into those Trinitarian aspects of Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And then God's been working in the Christian Medical Fellowship. There's lots of new resources now. There's a paper diary you can, you can use every day. There's um, an online diary uh, of things to pray for in CMF. There's the PaperMate uh, app, sorry, PrayerMate app on your phone that uh, has a feed to the CMF prayer diary. There's the Nurses Day of Prayer, uh, a week of prayer that comes up. Um, and I, I, have a, I, I wouldn't mind betting that the great things we're seeing among the nurses at the moment is a fruit of much, much prayer over many years, right up to the present time with the nurses. Amazing. Mark, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been a real pleasure to, uh, to have hosted you, and, and thank you so much for giving us all those great tools. Uh, I hope you have a safe journey back from conference. Uh, and to everyone that's listening, I hope you've enjoyed that, and we will uh, see you again in two weeks' time. Thank you very much, and God bless. Thank you, James.